about Jesus. Every Friday night, we have a program for the youth and young adults. It can be for anybody, but it's geared specifically to young to older communities and young adults. Every Friday night, vespers at seven o'clock here in the church. August the 30th, Men's Ministries is going to have a 10 o'clock breakfast followed by a golf invitational. So if you're a guy who likes golf, and you have a buddy that likes golf, please come on out. And it is going to begin at Sabrina and Grand and then at the Chimney Valley Golf do my best to explain them as best I know. So thank you so very much and welcome Anitha to our church family. Let's bow our heads now and have opening prayer for church. Kind Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the Sabbath, for a day to celebrate your love for us. Please, Lord, lead and guide our conversations today with each other that we may bring glory to you and to your house. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Our opening hymn this morning is hymn number 570, 570, Not I, But Christ.
Fourth verse, not high but Christ, my every need supplying, not high but Christ, my strength and health to be, Christ only Christ, for body, soul, and spirit, Christ only Christ, here and eternally. And now we are going to have a special music. Lana? Alana. Thank you. You may be seated. She's going to play the violin for us this morning.
very much on the land. As you're leaving the service this morning, you'll notice that the tithe and offering box is on top of the desk at the sound system. So that is where you can put your tithes and offerings as you're leaving this morning. And Dennis will now have our call for offering. Thank you, Dennis. Good morning. I'd like to start this appeal for the offering this morning by reciting a quote from the Spirit of Prophecy. And it's from the book, Well, for a Ministry, page 190. And she says, Every church member should feel it his special duty to labor for those living in his neighborhood. Study how you can best help those who take no interest in religious things. As you visit your friends and neighbors, show an interest in their spiritual as well as in their temporal welfare. Present Christ as a sin-pardoning Savior. Invite your neighbors to your home and read with them from the precious Bible and from books that explain its truths. Two words stand out as very important. The first is study, how you can best help. Such a word denotes premeditated interest for those in our immediate sphere of influence. The second word is invite. This word takes us out of our comfort zone. It reminds us that building relationships with people who may not know Christ requires time, patience, and most of all, proximity. When we invite a neighbor to our house, our most intimate space, we inspire trust and openness. Such behaviors often lower barriers and with time will offer opportunities for conversations about Christ. The greatest story that I've ever come across that made the largest impression upon me personally was the experience of the poor widow. You have to read this in Luke 21, but in Luke 20, the last few verses are very much a part of this experience. And when you've read it, then find in the spirit of prophecy, the desire of ages, Ellen G. White's comment on this experience. I'm telling you, it will bring tears to your eyes. It's not the amount we give. It's the spirit with which we give it, the motivation with which we give it. That poor widow had just been ripped off by a greedy, self-serving, money-hungry priesthood. And she came into the temple and gave her two mites. I believe that she gave all that she had. And Ella White comment says, in spite of what the system had done to her, she says, and I quote, she gave to the cause she loved. I can only imagine how many people will be in the kingdom as a result of reading her experience. Shall we bow our heads for prayer? Father in heaven, it's a privilege to give. When we give, it opens up the opportunity for you to give back to us. Bless the offering. May it be used for its intended use and bless those who come into your kingdom as a result of it. For we do ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
Does anyone know how little Alexander and Fane are doing down in Vancouver? Has anyone heard? Does anyone know how Alexander and Fane are doing down in Vancouver after Alexander's surgery? I have not heard how, how he's doing, so we'll pray for them in our prayer now as well. Uh, this week, the prayer committee has two families that we're invited to pray for, especially Mel and Bev Basaraba and family, Lucas Yurik and family. These are the two families that we have been asked to pray for this week, so please uh, lift them up as we lift each other up in prayers. We're doing the intercessory work that Jesus loves for us to be involved in. So please remember these two families this week in prayer. If you are able and you would like to kneel, please kneel now as we pray. Yes, Jason? Yes. Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, we come into your throne room this morning knowing that you love us so much more than we can ever understand. We thank you, Lord, that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus to live and to die for us so that we, Lord, could be together with you forever in your wonderful heavenly home. Please, Lord, keep, this, keep that ever in our mind that the time is coming so soon when you are coming again to gather us together to yourself. Please, Lord, as we live, as we continue to live in this old, sick world, that you would please remember justice in his struggle with his health. Please, Lord, bless him and let him feel your wonderful, loving arms wrapped around him. Please, Lord, be with little Alexander as he had surgery this past Wednesday. Please help him to heal and help the pain to subside as quickly as it is your will to let that happen. Please be with Fane as she sits by his side. Please bless her with your comfort that only you can give. We thank you, Lord, that you watched your own son die for us so you know what it is to watch a child in pain. Please give comfort to Fane. Please, Lord, be with Mel and Bev Vesraba and their family, not just this week, but in the future ahead too. Please bless them and let them feel that you care so much for them. Thank you so much for their ministry and thank you, Lord, for the ministry also of Lucas and his family and the wonderful ministry he does for you in traveling around to preach. Thank you, Lord, that you have brought him here to be with us this morning to share your word with us. Please, Lord, fill his heart and mind with your Holy Spirit that we may leave here today knowing, Lord, that you do truly care. 
Thank you, Lord, for our church family. And thank you, Lord, for the wonderful things that you have in store for us. Thank you, Lord, for your willingness to make us willing to be willing. Thank you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Ron will now share with us the scripture reading, followed by our message this morning with Lucas. Thank you, Ron. I'd like to read with you a piece of scripture from Philippians, and it'll be Philippians 3, 4 to 6. Now, this is an interesting piece of scripture. So, if you have your Bibles, Philippians 3, verse 4 to 6. I'll read this slowly because it takes a little thinking to get it into your head, at least mine. 4 to 6, Philippians 3. Here it goes. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. A few words of wisdom from Paul. of God, isn't it? Um, we don't appreciate it until it's on thin ice and being here. taken from us. I want to thank everyone who's... Sorry? Yeah, I've got it on. This thing here is interfering. You, you can turn this, this one off, this Louise. On. talking and then you can figure that out. It's good to be in God's house. So now, there you go. Now we can hear. I've already been blessed by what's happened so far this morning. I'm privileged to have one of my daughters here with me. And uh, God has given a, her a talent. And I enjoy it every time I hear it. Richard led out in a beautiful Sabbath school. And uh, I just want us to remind us, I just want to remind us 
that we are not here by accident or coincidence. We are here by God's providence. Do you believe that this morning? We're not even here by our own will. God has destined us to be here this morning. We are here by God's protection. You know, a while back I was cycling. I love cycling, road cycling in particular. And I'll be down in the Kootenays next week. Actually, you know what? Was there an announcement made for the men's ministries? Yes. Oh, okay. I missed it because I was in the back. Anyhow, I'll miss that Sunday, next Sunday, because I'll be cycling through the Kootenays again with my friend. But um, actually, it was last year. I was uh, riding along Chimney Lake Road, perfectly straight stretch. No animals, no cars. You guys know about animals and me, right? <laughs> not a lot of uh, luck there. It's not luck. But anyway, I was riding along perfectly straight stretch, no wind, no animals, no cars, no people, nothing. Do you know what happened? I was going about 35 kilometers an hour. All of a sudden, it's like somebody poked me and I ended in the ditch on the soft shoulder and I went head over heels, over my head, over my bike, landed on my hip. I cycled out to uh, Springhouse and back. And when I got back home, got off my bike, I realized I could hardly walk. I peeled off my shorts, and I had a little bit of road rash on the side here. But you know what? I could have had a broken neck. But God saved my life, spared my life again, and He spared every one of our lives. And that's why we're here this morning. It's not because we are able to do something on our own. This morning's message I have entitled as Three-Day Challenge. I've shared this message in India, and I've shared it in Africa with pastors. And I want to share it with you this morning. What's the greatest desire of your heart? What compels your life? Are you serving God? Let's bow our heads for prayer once more. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. We thank you that you invite us to come before your throne of grace boldly in Jesus' name, our High Priest. Father, you who began a good work in us will complete it. We in and of ourselves are nothing. We can do nothing. You began the good work and you will finish it. But the question is, will we be willing? Father, we are willing. We believe, but I pray that you will help our unbelief. I pray that we will not hear man's words this morning. I pray that I will not speak my own words, but we will hear Jesus speaking to us from on high where he's ministering on our behalf, where he's interceding on our behalf. May we hear his voice and his words, and as we hear, may we respond and follow. And we thank you and praise you for hearing and answering our prayers in advance because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Are you discouraged in your faith with God, your walk with God this morning? Would you like peace that passes all understanding? Would you like joy? You know, Peter calls it the joy unspeakable. Do you want that joy this morning? Do you have that joy this morning? Do you desire a deeper, closer, more intimate with your maker? Does your heart burn within you to share the love of Jesus with this community and wherever God decides to send you? Would you like to see our church edified and united by love, God's love? Do you long to grow with power God's kingdom here on earth from the 
with the, from the people that are outside of the walls of this church? Well, if you do, I want to invite you to go with me to another story. It's not another story. It's a Bible account of one of the greatest men that has become a new favorite of mine over the last few years. You know, we all have favorite Bible characters, do we not? Maggie, do you have a favorite Bible character that's a favorite? You know, Joseph is one of mine. Daniel. David. Amazing stories. I can't wait to meet them in heaven and listen to them tell of, you know, their experiences. And we can share our experiences with them. But this man that I want to tell you about and his account and his experience has become a new favorite of mine. Let's consider this great man's biography. You know, we often have books written about all kinds of people and their biographies, you know, what their lives were like and what they spent doing. Let's look at one from the Bible. These are some of his statements. This one he made to a Roman governor, Governor Felix, when he was in prison. He says, I have hope in God that there will be a resurrection of the dead. In a letter to some of the churches, he wrote, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Consider this one. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. How about this one? But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Listen to this one. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and in my flesh I fill up what was lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of the body, which is the church, which is you and I. Is it possible that there was something lacking in the afflictions of Christ that Paul had to fulfill? Think about that. I want you to think about that. Do a Bible study on that at home. I won't give you the answer. Aren't these some, of the, some amazing statements made by this one man? Unbelievable. I am crucified unto the world and the world is crucified unto me. Brothers and sisters, friends, God is calling us, you and me, into a brand new, amazing, deeper experience than we've ever experienced. Through the lesson of this man's life. You know, earlier in his career, though, describing his experience, here's where the scripture reading comes in. Listen to this carefully again. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, blameless, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He called himself blameless. He called himself righteous through the law. And while he was that, what was he doing, it says? He was persecuting the church. Can you identify with that? I know I do. You know, I'm a third generation Seventh-day Adventist Christian. And I have done things in my life because, you know, Jesus told me, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I truly tried to keep them. But I did some things that I'm not so happy about today. But it doesn't matter because I've asked God for forgiveness and He's forgiven me. And I didn't rape anybody and I didn't kill anybody or any of those things. But it doesn't matter what it is. 
Are you, can you identify with this man? Have you ever had this attitude like he has? Yo, I'm an Adventist. I go to church every Sabbath. I serve God. You know, I don't steal. I don't kill. I keep all the Ten Commandments. I keep the Sabbath. You know, of late, I realize more and more, when I get up in the morning, I'm, I'm still laying in bed, kind of propped up on my elbows in, in my bed. I say, Lord, I don't want to get out of bed and do something on my own. More and more, I realize that if I get up out of bed and I don't consciously surrender moment by moment to Jesus, I'm going to blow it with the best of my intentions to do good. Do you realize that this morning? Do you know why that is? Because the heart of man is desperately wicked. How does that verse go? Evil. Who can know it? That's our condition in and of ourselves. And that was the condition of this man. So what made an ama the amazing difference in this man's life? What was it? What was the difference that made a difference in his speech and his attitude and his conduct? In the way he lived? What changed in this man's life? By now you all probably know that I'm speaking of Paul. You know, Paul who was Saul and became the Apostle Paul. So let's go to the Bible record. Do you know, one day he finds himself on the way to a city. Do you know what city that was? Do you remember that? What was the name of that city? Damascus. Do you know what he was uh, going there to do? He was on an errand. He was on an errand by the general conference of the day with a letter from them signed by the high priest to do what? To persecute and to arrest. Who is he persecuting and who is he going to arrest? Christ's followers. Think about that in today's context. The general conference gave him a letter to go persecute the followers of Jesus. To imprison them and to be instrumental in their death. While he was serving God. A Pharisee. A keeper of the law. Blameless. Headed for Damascus to persecute Jesus' followers. Is that what he was going there to do? You know, on the way, some, on this, on the way to Damascus, something amazing, something incredible happens to him. Do you know what happens to him on that road? He was converted. He was converted from a Pharisee and from a lawkeeper to what? The follower of Jesus. How did it happen? Acts chapter 9. As he is nearing Damascus, suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. What was that light that shone from heaven on him? Do you remember what that light was? Listen to this. It says in Acts chapter 26, it says a light above the brightness of the sun. You know, this was, the, this was midday. This was high day. It was a sunny day, much like the one today this morning out there. Bright sunshine. And the Bible says that this light was brighter than the sun. Ellen White says, to the glo too glorious for a mortal eye to bear. Blinded and bewildered, Paul falls to the ground, to the earth, and hears a voice from heaven. What was that voice that spoke to him? That light that shone in his eyes. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you what? Persecuting Christians. No, 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 no. He was persecuting Christians, Richard. Is that what Jesus said? Why are you persecuting who? Me. Do you realize what Paul was doing when he was persecuting Christians? When he was throwing them in prison and when he was instrumental in their death? What was he doing according to Jesus' words? He was persecuting Jesus. Mercy. 
Have you found yourself doing that sometimes? When we're unkind to somebody, when we're not helpful to somebody, what are we doing? We're not unkind to Thad or Richard or Charles or Pete or Anne. We're persecuting Christ. Do you see the seriousness of our problem? And as he... So he meets Jesus, right? No, rather, Jesus met Saul. Saul wasn't on the road to Damascus and he said, I want to see Jesus. Jesus meets him and addresses him. And when Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul answers and says, now remember, this is a son of a Pharisee, a Pharisee himself, and all the law blameless, and all the rest of that list. And he says, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said unto him, I am Jesus whom you persecute. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will you have me do? And Jesus responds and he says, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you're going to do. Now, can you imagine this? Can you imagine Saul's surprise and shock? He's met by none other but Christ, confronted with the raw reality of his condition and his conduct. Who was he persecuting again? He wasn't persecuting Matthew or Jason or anybody. He was persecuting, according to Jesus' words, Christ himself. This is the reality of what we do when we're unkind to one another and others outside the walls of this church. You know, I have often thought, when you think of Paul's experience, who was Saul then, you know, I mean, the God Almighty who made this world and the entire universe allows Saul to go that far and that deep into his experience in persecuting Christians and thereby persecuting Christ. To that full extent, imprisoning them and being instrumental in their death. What? Didn't God have the power to change him, to, to, to stop him? He sure did. Why didn't he? Now remember, Saul thought he was doing what? He was serving God. And when Jesus confronts him, he says, Who are you, Lord? Did he really know Jesus to that point? Somewhat. And his intentions were good, but he really didn't. You know, those will be the kind of people, if they're, unless they're converted, that will be on that left side of the camp where Jesus says in the end, depart from me, I don't know you. Paul says, or Saul then still says, who are you, Lord, and what do you want me to do? You know, God had to allow Saul to go that far for him to realize who was who and who could do what. With the best of his intentions, thinking he was serving God, he was persecuting none other but Christ. But Jesus says, go into the city, arise, and you shall be told what you're, what you're going to do. And Saul arose from the earth and he opened his eyes and guess what? He couldn't see a thing. His eyes were blinded, he couldn't see a thing, it was all dark. And he's led by the soldiers that went with him into Damascus. And for three days, I want you to think of this. For three days, hence the title. For three days, he locks himself up. Or he asks for a room and you know, they let him into the room. And he locks himself up and he doesn't eat. And he doesn't drink. And he prays. 
and he prays and he prays. He realized through that experience that he was guilty of the most heinous crime anybody could ever do, for lack of a more sophisticated word. He was persecuting Christ. That's what he was faced with. And Jesus told him himself that's what he was doing. Can you imagine the guilt that man was bearing? No wonder he locked himself up for three days. Do we really see our need? Have we had this experience? Do you pray to God like he wants us to? Do we see our real need? Listen to what Ellen White says. These days of closest health examination, these three days that he was in, and a heart of humiliation were spent in lonely seclusion. His only hope of help was in a merciful God, and to him he appealed in brokenness of heart. Bowed before God with the humility and simplicity of a little child, confessing his own unworthiness and pleading for the merits of a crucified and risen Savior, Saul longed to come into full harmony and communion with the Father and the Son. And in the intensity of his desire for pardon and acceptance, he offered up fervent supplication to the throne of grace. The prayers of the penitent Pharisee were not in vain. The inmost thoughts and emotions of his heart were transformed. Listen to what happened to him. His inward emotions and uh, thoughts were transformed by divine grace. By what? Mustered up strength of his own? No, divine grace and his nobler faculties were brought into harmony with the eternal purposes of God. Christ and his righteousness became to Saul more than the whole world itself. God had to allow Saul to go this far so that Saul would be willing to do this. To surrender fully and completely to God, realizing that with the best of his intentions, he was a flunky and a persecutor of Christ. While Saul is praying, at the same time, God speaks to another man in Damascus. Do you remember who, what that guy's name was? There was another disciple in Damascus. His name was Ananias. And the Lord said unto Ananias, Ananias, behold, Ananias said, here I am. You know, Ananias, uh, God speaks to Ananias and immediately Ananias says what? Here I am, Lord. And so the Lord said, Arise and go into the streets, which is, street which is called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas for the, uh, that who is called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prays. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Now, can you imagine having this experience? We talked about miracles in Sabbath school. How about a miracle? Isn't that a miracle? I mean, Christ himself talks to Ananias and he says, Hey, listen, Saul is praying and he sees a man coming to him and his name is Ananias. He hears his own name coming to him so that he might receive his sight. So Ananias arose and went into the city. But before he went, Jesus said something else to him. He said, go to him and tell him, go your way for he is a chosen... Oh, that's what uh, God says to Ananias. But he says, he will bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him the great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And so Ananias rose and went 
into the house and putting his hands on Brother Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in a way as thou came, has sent me to you that you might receive your sight, that you might be filled with the Holy Spirit. And right there and then he received the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes, from Saul's eyes, scales, and he received his sight. And he received some meat and then was strengthened. But immediately before that he was baptized and then he spent a few days there. And what happened next? Verse 20, it says, And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Do you notice the sequence there? Let me, let me summarize it. He was confronted with his condition and with his real need. He asked Jesus the two questions, Who are you, Lord, and what do you want me to do? He then prays and fasts, and repents for three days. His prayer is answered. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, receives spiritual and physical sight. He's baptized in water. He's strengthened with food, communes with the disciples, and immediately he preaches Christ and him crucified, that he is the Son of God. Is that your experience? Is this my experience? Do you know what his mission was? Do you know what his message was Paul from that point on Jesus only you've heard me say this from this pulpit before Jesus only that's the answer from persecutor to a disciple and an apostle of Jesus the one he was persecuting became now his follower so don't you ever give up on anyone yourself or anyone around you because God has not and God will not as long as there's breath left in us and this is the new experience that God is calling you and me into. We must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Why do we have to uh, be persecuted? Why do we have to go through tribulation? What did we learn from fall? Why did he have to go through that? For us to realize what our real condition is. That in and of ourselves, we're pathetic and disgusting and horrible people. But with God, anything's possible. We must suffer tribulation to lose sight of self and to be willing to give up self. And then the only way through the Holy Spirit, through a daily baptism of the Holy Spirit, do you know what will happen? Come on, you guys, don't sit here like lumps. There's not a smile in the congregation. What's happening? Now I see some. Do you know what will happen when the Holy Spirit comes in? Jesus comes in. Jesus will abide in us, not just with us, but in us. You know, finishing Paul's statement in Philippians chapter 3 after verse 6, I purposely didn't have that in the scripture. You listen to what he says now. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. I count all things but loss for the ex excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. How many things did Paul lose through suffering? How many? All things. 
And that's why he said, I rejoice in my sufferings for you. I rejoice in my sufferings for you. He lost everything. And he gained everything, more than everything, humanly speaking. And to count them, he says, I count them as dung, all those things that he lost. That I may win Christ, Jesus only. Cloud nine experience, or is it, brothers and sisters and friends? Do you know that Jesus offers us a cloud nine experience? Is it true? Well, yes and no. Because when we've become followers of Jesus, it's not a picnic, uh, Maggie, anymore, is it? Bad things still happen. And the closer we follow Jesus, the more things are going to happen to us. But guess what? We will have that joy unspeakable. We will have that peace that passes all knowledge because Christ dwells in our hearts. And He's the one that lives us His, His will in us. Suffered all things. Listen to what Paul's experience was thereafter. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons and more frequently. In deaths often. From the Jews five times I received stripes. Forty minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of many countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils of the wilderness, in the perils of the sea, in the perils among the false brethren, in weakness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the often things, what comes upon my, me daily, my deep concern for all the what? Churches. Jesus only and to take him to the churches, to take him wherever God chose to send him. It didn't matter where he was going to go. It didn't matter what happened to him from now on anymore. He had one thing in mind. One thing that mattered to Paul from now on for the rest of his life and dies as a martyr was Jesus only. And writes a third of the New Testament as you and I know it today. Isn't that amazing? And he says, I have hope in God and that there will be a resurrection of the dead. Do you know why he had that hope? Do you know why he said that to Felix? He said that to Felix because he was going to see one day all those that he imprisoned. That he was instrumental in being imprisoned. And even often instrumental in their death. Like Stephen. But he had hope in God and he had hope in a resurrection. And he would see them all again one day and embrace them. And he would say, I am so sorry what I did. But look what happened as a result. Brothers and sisters, this morning, you see, there's only one way. There's one nationality. There's one race. There's one caste. There's one tribe. There's one culture. There's even only one gender, according to Galatians, Paul in Galatians chapter 3. Check it out. There's one way. There's no distinction. And that is in Christ. That is the only way. You have Jesus. You have everything. You don't have Jesus. You've got nothing. And we must both die and live in Christ. We have to die to self so that we may gain Christ like Paul did. Here's the result of God's allowing Paul to go through this whole experience. Because he writes that famous statement which I have quoted often. I've quoted from up here before. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live how? By the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Would you like to have this same experience? Are you tired of self this morning? Are you tired of self yet? 
Are you hungry and thirsty for more? Do you want something better? Do you want something bigger? Do you want something that's really worth living for? I present to you this morning the three-day challenge of, of Paul. Saul who became Paul. As soon as you can, find a corner, find a quiet spot, find your spot where, where you have your devotional. Remembering that now is only always what we have. We don't have tomorrow. We don't have when Jesus literally comes. We have now and we have here. Because if we don't make that choice now, if we don't consciously follow Jesus again, we might be lost. Because we don't know if we're going to get home this afternoon from church. Get on your knees. Fast and pray. Confess your sins before God. With your Bible in your hand, asking those two famous questions of Saul. What were they? Who are you, Lord? Who really? Who are you really, Lord? And what do you want me to do? Because... Brothers and sisters, friends, nothing else really matters. Not even this nice suit that I'm wearing. And I picked it myself, and I think it's pretty nice. And, you know, you got some nice dresses and clothes on too. But you know what? Those are going to burn when Jesus comes. We're not even taking that to heaven. Nothing really matters in this world. And brothers and sisters, when you do that, I promise you, or rather God promises you in the Word, that he will answer his prayer, your prayer. And he will show you his will and specifically exactly what he wants you to do. You know, there's this new reformation that is needed and it's needed now. Do you know what reformation I'm talking about? You know, in your life and in my life and in the lives of those that God has entrusted to take the gospel to. You know, it's a reformation that someone long ago started. Do you remember that guy's name? Back in the, was it 1400s or 1500s? What was his name? And he was a German. Do you remember his name? Martin Luther. He started a reformation and that reformation is to continue on until the close of earth's history. No? You don't think so? You know, but that reformation is needed to prepare people to soon meet our God, our Lord. And without this reformation, you and I cannot see the Lord and live. And without this reformation, you and I will not go to heaven and see our Father who longs for us to be there. We must have this experience. Luis, I want you to put up the picture. Oh, you're not ready. Come on, man. <laughs> put up the picture that I, that I gave you. You know, this new reformation that it's needed now. You know, the wisest man that ever walked the, uh, this earth's surface according to the Bible, and ever will, till Jesus comes. Do you know what his name was? Who was the wisest man on earth? Solomon. Do you know what he says? Proverbs 4.18. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Is there any light? No, it's okay. Do you see that? What is that? Well, that's the sunrise out my living off my porch this morning. The sun just came up over the horizon. And I was you know, going over my sermon notes and I got up to, to get something in the kitchen. And I looked at it. Whoa, look at that. So I went out and took a picture of it just for an illustration for this sermon. God gave me that this morning. The path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. What's that perfect day? When Jesus appears to take us home. You know, a sunrise, you know, before the sun actually rises, 
there's like, what do you call it? You know, dawn? It's dawn. In the morning is dawn, right? You know, it kind of is red, and then it gets brighter and brighter, and it starts turning yellow. And then when you have the sun way up in the high like it is now, it's, it gets brighter by the moment. Listen to what Ellen White says in Great Controversy, page 148. The Reformation did not, as many suppose, end with Luther. It is to be continued to the close of the, this, this world's history. Luther had a great work to do in reflecting the, to others the light, capital L, which God had permitted to shine upon him. Yet he did not receive all the light which was to be given to the world. From that time to this, new light has been continually shining upon the scriptures and new truths have been constantly unfolding. I want to leave with you this morning five legacies that we have learned from the, Paul, from the life of Paul. Five legacies of the new reformation for you and me from Paul's experience. Number one, Jesus only. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, but whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We have far too long been in the world as Christians done the things our way, overemphasizing the Ten Commandments and the 28 fundamentals of the denomination. And you know what, brothers and sisters? That's all we are, denomination, if that's where it stops. And that's what our focus is. The remnant people of God, not another denomination, the remnant people of God, the last people on this earth's history, uh, on in the history of this earth, have one message to take to the world. The crucified and risen Savior. You know, the late HMS Richard Sr. once declared, listen to what he said, I have only one doctrine. I am a great sinner, but I have a great Savior. And when somebody asked them once, Richard, what is the Adventist message? Guess what his answer was? Two words. Jesus only. We don't need to teach others more doctrines and obedience. We need to lead them to Jesus. To fall in love with Him. And when they fall in love with Jesus, they will believe in Him, which will result in obedience, which will result in righteousness in their lives and ours. Jesus said, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw how many? All men unto myself. The commandment keeping and the embrace of the teachings will be the natural result of an intimate, close relationship with Jesus. So, Jesus only. Legacy number two, prayer only. Jesus said to his disciples one day that men always ought to pray and not faint. Paul says to the Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. When Solomon builds the temple and prays the prayer of dedication, how does God respond to him? God speaks to Solomon and he says, if my people, if my people who are called by my name, you know, Alena and I listened to a song by uh, Harmony Singers and his written sings it as well, uh, not it is written, Heritage Singers, uh, Heritage Singers sing it as well. If my people, 
who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. Do you know what the land that God wants to heal is? It's not the land of Canada. It's not the land of Kazakhstan or Japan or whatever. It's the land of your heart and mind and mine. That's what God wants to heal. And that's what he promises he will. Ellen White says, The revival of true godliness among us is the greatest and most urgent of all our needs. To seek this should be our first work. A revival need happen and be expected only in answer to prayer. Do you see how important prayer is? And by the way, thank you for praying for me and my family this week. I pray for this church and I pray for every one of you. We need to spend more time praying for one another. James writes in James chapter 5. By the way, the book of James is not about physical healing. It's talking about spiritual healing. Look, listen to what James says. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Jesus only, legacy number one. Prayer only, number two. What's legacy number three? What happened to Paul next after he prayed? The Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to his disciples and says to you and me this morning, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Ye cannot understand them now. How, how be it when he, Jesus said, he, the Holy Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into how much truth? All the truth. The Reformation goes on till the closes, closing time of this earth's history. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall speak, and what he sh will show you, things to come. The Holy Spirit will even show us things to come. Things that haven't even been prophesied yet. Or has something not been prophesied yet? Do you know what happens when we receive the Holy Spirit? Paul says it like this in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. He says, and hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. By who? The Holy Spirit, who is what? Is given to us. Not was, not will be. Is. Because we only always have, just right now. Ask for the Holy Spirit, you'll receive Him, and you'll have the love of God in your heart. And then the next amazing thing will happen that Jesus said to His disciples, last words on Mount Olivet, just before He goes up into heaven. What did He say to His disciples? And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and where else? All over the earth. All over the world. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that send shivers up and down your back? It does mine. Jesus only. Prayer only. Spirit only. Legacy number four. The cross only. Do you know what God's ultimate reason for allowing Paul or Saul to go that far? So that Saul would become Paul and sell himself out fully and completely to Christ. That's why he said to the Corinthians, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He needed to be crucified Himself. He needed to lay self in the dust. And that's, what was a, you know, uh, that was, that's not what was afflicted. Let me start over. <laughs> that's what was lacking in the afflictions of Christ because Jesus didn't need to lose sight of self, but Saul did and Paul did. He needed to realize that in of himself, he was going to be murdering and he was going to be persecuting Christ. But when he sold himself out to Jesus, then he would do something and he would amount to something. 
And here's this amazing statement that Jesus gives to you and me and gave to the disciples. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. Unto how many nations? All nations. And then what will happen? Then the end shall come. Do you know, brothers and sisters, that Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, is the only promise of Jesus or the sign of his coming that has not happened yet fully? COVID's not the end of the world. The gospel it will go over to all the world yet. Amen. Most of the world is still unbelieving. You know, they don't believe in God. They don't believe in anything. And they're out there looking at us and saying, you hypocrites, show me God and then I will believe in him. The gospel is going to go to the world and then the end shall come. Jesus promised. Jesus only. Prayer only. Spirit only. What was number four? Cross only. Legacy number five, Bible only. What did Jesus say to his disciples and says to you and me this morning? Abide in me and I will abide in you. How do we abide in Jesus? In his word. What is this book? It's the Bible. What's the Bible all about? What is it? Jesus. It's a testimony of Jesus right from Genesis 1 to Revelation chapter 2, 22. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth what? Bringeth forth what? Much fruit. For without me, you cannot do most things. Is that what Jesus said? You can do how much? Nothing. That's what Paul realized and that's what you and I need to realize. Listen to what Ellen White says adds to this. But God will have a people upon the earth to maintain the Bible and the Bible only as the standard of doctrine and the basis of all reforms. The opinions of learned men, the councils and numerous and discord as are the churches which they represent, the voice of the majority, not one or all of these should be regarded as evidence for or against any point of religious faith before accepting any doctrine or precept we should demand a plain what thus saith the lord in its support do you know when martin luther was on his deathbed just before he died he had a piece of paper stuck in his coat pocket and they found it they took it out and in his own handwriting do you know what was written on that piece of paper this phrase, this is true. We are all beggars. So brothers and sisters, friends, let us all become beggars. And with shameless audacity, as Jesus says for us to do, as he said to his disciples in Luke chapter 11, 13, verse 13, he said, if you being what? He's talking to his disciples who walked with him for three and a half years. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask? Five legacies. Jesus only. Prayer only. Spirit only. What was the next one? The cross only. Bible only. You know that word ask in Luke 11 verse 13 in the Greek is a continuous action word. 
In other words, ask today, ask every moment every today, and ask every day till Jesus comes. Because without that asking, we will not receive, and we will be Saul, not Paul. Brothers and sisters, I firmly believe, and I'm convicted this morning, that Jesus is really, truly coming back very, very soon, literally. But the only way we will see him and live, and the only way we will see him and go to him and go with him to see the Father is if we act now. We don't have tomorrow, we don't have this afternoon. What do you say? Are you willing to sell yourself out to God fully and completely like Saul did, who became Paul? If you are, I invite you to stand with me. Now, don't just stand up because somebody next to you is standing up. If you're serious about it this morning, if you want to make a brand new commitment to Jesus this morning and fully surrender your life to Him, seeing your need, seeing our need, I want you to stand with me and we will sing the closing hymn, which is, I surrender all. We need to surrender all to Jesus because He is everything. If we have Jesus, we have everything. If we don't have Jesus, we think we have something, but we're going to go down with it. Let's sing, I surrender all. Hymn number 309.
Father in heaven, this morning we thank you for the great love that you have for each one of us. We thank you for that great love that was so freely and so willingly demonstrated in the cross of Christ and in the life of Christ for each one of us. Father, thank you for beginning the work in us that you have begun. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for the gift of faith. Thank you for the gift of prayer. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit and for your word that you have preserved for us to be able to read and study today. Father, we stand before you having made a new commitment, a recommitment to follow Jesus all the way, to surrender fully and completely to him. I pray that you will seal our commitment, that you'll remind us moment by moment, day by day, that we need to come to the cross of Christ, to the foot of the cross, surrender all every day and allow you to fill us and to shine out through us to a world that's still living in darkness. Jesus, you said that when the gospel is preached all over the earth, then you shall come. And so use us to that end so that we may soon see you and go with you to see our Father, never to part again. What a day that will be. We thank you for hearing and answering our prayers even now because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.